Welcome to Backroom Talk. We're talking about full body resistance today. Because everyone can do full body resistance training. So as long as you're choosing exercises that elicit that, you're, you're all good, right? So week one could be a, a close grip bench press. Week two could be a weighted dip. Have you played around with GVT? Oh gosh, yes, of course, <laughs> yeah. Yes, way too much. To listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com. All right, guys, welcome to another week of Backroom Talk. I am here with Carl, and Carl, I wanted to start off the conversation by sharing an article. That's the thing we're doing right now. Uh, I will drop it into the description and the notes, guys, if you want to go and read it for yourself. But uh, this article is really just related to Facebook's plans to release an Instagram for kids. And now nothing is like set in stone. They haven't actually said what this Instagram for kids is going to look like. But there was a bit of a leak that, you know, from internally from Facebook that suggested there are plans um, to work in, you know, the youth space with Instagram. And there's been some backlash and concern about that. And I think just recently what this article starts off with is 44 attorneys general signed a letter, you know, asking Facebook not to do this and raising a lot of concern about child welfare and mental health and what it does to kids being in an online space uh, where they can share content freely amongst themselves. So Carl, I, uh, I want your thoughts. Like you use social media, you're a father. What, uh, what do you think about Instagram for kids? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm probably the most qualified person to have an opinion on this. So I use, qualified. I use Instagram <laughs> and I have kids. That's it. That's all you, you got <laughs> to have, right? qualified to me. Seriously, I, I don't know what my perspective on is on it because I think until you have kids yourself, it's very hard to know how you feel. Yeah, gosh. When you first hear it, it's like it's it's cringeworthy, right? You're like, whoa, that's a terrible idea. Um, and then I thought about it for five more seconds and I'm just like, well, uh, what does this mean, right? Like, I don't think the article that you're sharing has a lot of detail in terms of what it means, what the feature sets are going to be, what kids are going to be allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. Um, let's rewind this to, I have no idea when uh, YouTube Kids came out, but let's rewind this five years ago, just guessing, that's when it came out. And let's say we're sitting here and we're having the same conversation. Like, YouTube says that they're going to launch a an app for kids only. It's like, what would our reaction have been back then? We probably would have been like, oh my gosh, there's some shitty things on YouTube. Um, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no one on YouTube saying like, uh, you know, predetermining what can go on the platform rather it's things go on the platform and then they take it down. So it's like a kid can see this, 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 and then they launch the app and both of my kids have kids, YouTube or YouTube kids, whatever the heck it's called. And it's actually pretty good, right? It's like, I'd rather them watch kids YouTube or YouTube for kids rather than turning the TV on um, because they're very targeted and, you know, what, what your kid's age is, what you want them to see, what you don't want them to see. Do you want them to see entertaining things? Do you want them to just have access to educational things? So it's actually pretty cool. It's a cool little app. Um, so I just don't want to judge this idea before I know exactly what's in it. If it's Instagram and they just put like kids after it and it's the exact same thing and there's no there's no like there's no one filtering what's going on or what kids can do on that thing I think it's a terrible idea but I'm sure Facebook is smart enough to not do that <laughs> I'm sure they I'm sure they have a pretty good plan as to like what this thing's going to be and what the intention is behind it 
because in reality, kids are kids are doing this anyway. Like kids are on TikTok, right? It's like I don't know what it's like to sign up for TikTok, but I'm pretty sure they ask you what your age is, and a kid probably just puts you know 2001 instead of 2011, and then TikTok is like, okay, cool, you're old enough, right? So um, even my oldest, he's 10, and all of his friends have TikTok, and I'm like, bro, like you're just not getting TikTok. <laughs> And he's like, he, he's, he's okay with it, right? But, like, I'll, I'll check his phone and his friends will be sending him, like, uh, text messages of, like, shared TikTok links. So it's like he's essentially on TikTok because he's seeing things on TikTok. So, you know, to, the, to me, this could just be uh, a more filtered version of that. And then we have to have the conversation, should we filter our children? Won't get into that. Um, I think I have different views than a lot of people on that. But, um, yeah, have some responsibility and uh, – you know, let's let's teach our kids what they should or shouldn't do. And, you know, if this is a, a, a good app for kids and the features are actually kid oriented and it's not just like a mini Instagram, it's like, let's have an open mind. Yeah, there's two things that feel potentially problematic, probably more than that. But advertising, Facebook has said that they're not going to use advertising uh, inside of the kids app. But you start thinking about influencers and product placement and like how that happens on YouTube kids as well, because mm-hmm. uh, I think. YouTube Kids doesn't allow ads, but influencers or creators can share sponsored products and talk about things that they, you know, are trying to sell. Yeah, I think uh, you, you can monetize. You, you can, can yeah, for you kids. Yeah, you can monetize uh, for kids. But, you know, when you upload something on, on YouTube for us, right, it's like it asks, is this, uh, you know, is this targeted for, you know, people under 18? And if you hit yes, there's a lot of measures that you have to go through. And I'm not saying that thing is perfect. I have, I don't have a lot of experience there. But I think they approach that fairly smartly in the way that they, the things that they allow and, and the, the filtering system that they have inside of it. Yeah, I think, um, anyway, good sign that Facebook is saying that uh, they're going to try and keep advertising out of that or they, they plan to. There will be no advertising inside of Instagram for kids. Uh, secondarily, just the filtering piece and like how do you actually keep nefarious people off of this? Mm-hmm. Because we know that, you know, we can't control that in regular Facebook or yeah. regular Instagram. Yep. There's people posting, you know, explicit crap and lurking and being, you know, just scary, creepy online figures. And how do you keep that out of Instagram for kids? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know if I don't know if that's Facebook, Instagrams, YouTube's. I don't think that's all on them. You know what I mean? Like, I I think. Uh, I think there's things that you absolutely should not do, right? Like what you just mentioned, and like you know, targeting kids with advertisements and, you know, sharing, uh, you know, private data of a 12 year old or something like that. But, um, you know, if, if, if they check the boxes on privacy, if they check the boxes on, you know, actually putting this thing out for, you know, let's call it a noble cause. If there's a such thing in social media, it's like now it's on parents, right? Like parents need to filter that stuff. That's, that's a, that's a parent's job. And, and if you as a parent aren't, if you don't trust your kid, don't give them a cell phone with internet access. That's just crazy, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, no judgment. I, I, everyone raises their kids differently, but I think parents have a role to play as well. I don't think it's all on uh, Instagram, Google, um, Facebook. Broader question, do you think it is damaging for children to be growing up in an environment where so much socialization is happening online and not in person? And this is just like probably going to cement that or make it a little bit easier for kids to exist with their friends in this bubble. It's another step in that direction where socialization is happening 
exclusively online. Yeah, A, it's inevitable. Like like these attorney generals can say, no, don't do it today, but it's, it's going to happen, right? It's like our world is not moving away from digital. Our, our world is not moving away from social media. It's a part of life, right? So I'm always in the camp of like, you know, if you can't beat it, try to figure out a way to embrace it. Um, but everything has an opportunity to be damaging, right? Absolutely everything has an opportunity. Even good things have an opportunity to be damaging. So the answer, the short answer is yes, of course, it can be. Uh, the longer answer is what is not. <laughs> well, we'll uh, I guess we'll see how, yeah. how this thing looks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, would I let my kid on it? Um, I think I know you didn't ask me that question, but I, I asked myself ask that because I'm just question. I'm just like I said all those things and I'm like, OK, what if I had to make that yeah. decision? Um, if it was Instagram or Facebook, how they exist today? Yeah, absolutely not. And that's why my kid doesn't have an Instagram or Facebook account. Um, you know, some of his friends do and their their uh, their parents manage it and all of that. And there's like a thing in the bio that says this page is managed by blanks mother or father and then has like their handle or whatever um but if it was rolled out just the way that that it is today no i just don't think it's it's necessary uh for my kid but um i'd have to wait to see what the heck this thing is before i make that that decision yeah i think there's going to be so much education for kids on the front end of getting into a platform like that where it's like what is appropriate etiquette how mm -hmm. how do we behave in this new environment that we're all starting yeah. to navigate and i don't think we even know this as adults like adults <laughs> behave really badly on social media yeah, so i don't think we necessarily know but you think about a nine-year-old and their you know cognition and their ability to think about long-term consequences mm -hmm. of if i post this photo of me doing this stupid thing or i post this mean thing about this other person that really you know hurts them in some way how's that going to look 10 years from now when I'm applying for jobs and that's on my record because once you put that stuff yeah. out there, you can never bring it back. Yeah. And, and that age, that age range is like, you know, let's call it like, you know, eight to eight to 18. Obviously it goes after, you know, even beyond that, but it's so, it's such an ego driven uh, time frame and such an ego driven place in, in young people's lives where they want to show off, right? They want they want validation. They want attention, right? Like those are just natural things that happen when our kids walk to school, hang out with their friends, and then walk home from school. Like it happens on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's definitely going to happen. It's definitely going to happen on a social media platform as well. But the truth is, Georgia, they're already on it. <laughs> That's yeah. the truth. They're already on social media. So to me, I'm just like, okay, they're going to come to the forefront and they're going to create this thing that's just for kids. And that's where my head goes to the YouTube thing because kids were on YouTube. Kids were watching YouTube on their iPads or their parents' phones or whatever it is, you know, for the last decade. So it's the same thing as it is now. It's like uh, YouTube for kids came out and it's like, okay, that's a better option than just like having my, my YouTube account and having access to absolutely everything and being suggested like weird crap uh, based on videos you watch and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean... <laughs> We're, I, I think, uh, I think we're protesting something that's already happening. Yeah, I think uh, the tide is already, uh, you know, on its way in, and there's no way for us to control that. Not that I'm like for it and agree with it. I guess I'm just trying to be a realist and just like, hey, man, just, you know, make the best out of it. <laughs> Agreed. And gosh, I think about, uh, I think about being that age, uh, and when your parents or an older person tells you not to do something, 
the immediate thing you want to do is do that thing. And I, I yep. don't know if that's just exclusive to kids. I probably am still that way, right? When someone says, don't do something, this is bad. Like you want to go all in. <laughs> yeah. So if we can create a safer space for that to happen um, and, you know, condone it uh, and make it not this off limits, really, you know, controversial thing, then maybe it will be better. Final question. Why is Trump on the, why is there a video of Trump on I have Trump no the, idea. Is that, is that relevant to I, the I don't. Article? I don't think so. I didn't actually watch the video. Okay. Because uh. I know Trump is creating a new social media platform. I hope this isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on from that and get into uh, some training talk. So right. we're talking about full body resistance today. Yeah. And that stemmed from, we got questions uh, from some of our coaches around German body comp training. Mm-hmm. And what is it and how do you use it and why do you use it? And I think we we cover pretty much all of that inside of CCP, but we just call it something different, which is... Yeah, well, uh, GBC and FBR are different. Different intentions. Yeah, different intentions. Even even how it's laid out and design is different. Um, So, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, the intentions would... The intentions on each program would show and like the design the exercise selection the the rest the tempo all of that stuff would show there so because the intentions are just different um they are different but if the intentions align with gbc then fbr would look like gbc if that makes sense got it yes let's um just for people that are not familiar with all of these acronyms we keep throwing out let's start with what full body resistance is yeah, so full body resistance is just an idea that you're you're hitting multiple patterns, upper and lower would mean full body. So if you're doing A1, A2, bench press, squat, that's full body resistance. Now imagine you're doing A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2, and then now you, you know, put all six patterns across all of those supersets, that's also full body resistance. So it's just the idea of hitting multiple patterns in upper and lower in the upper and lower upper and lower body in a single session. And for um, for our audience and our coaches, we teach that inside of CCP as you know the template that you're going to follow. Not template. Template was definitely the wrong word there. No, I think but that's right. It's, yeah, it's like the it's a templated idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it, like the templated split that it, you that you would use to, it is to make it a little easier for you. The daily plan that you will use for your novice clients. Yes, yes that's it. <laughs> the uh, the daily plan there. So, uh, on the other hand, GBC, what is it? <sighs> All right, so GBC is, let's start with intention. So the intention behind GBC is to increase growth hormone uh, through resistance training. The reason why you want to increase growth hormone through resistance training is to increase fat burning, right? Like fat loss capabilities, as well as increase the potential to uh, develop muscle mass. So that's the whole goal around GBC so it's it's uh it's it's creating the hormone in the body to equal those things. The name German body comp kind yeah. of uh, kind of gives that away, and mm-hmm. that was popularized by Poliquin, right? Yeah. So uh, when we look at the the history of it, um, it was actually developed. The idea was developed and around the Cold War, um, and the idea was just what we talked about. It's like can increasing uh, HGH in the body equal blank, right? So that was like the whole idea. It's like what happens when you increase this um, in the human body? And that's what it led to. Um, it wasn't so much uh, 
increasing muscle mass. At that point, it was more uh, induce, or increasing fat loss uh, potential. So that was, that was like around the Cold War. And then in the 1980s, it was actually studied in the United States and found to be true. So it was just a theory until it was study of, studied, of course. And then Paula Quinn um, took those ideas, wrapped a name around it, and wrapped a system around eliciting more HGH in the body. So yeah, Paula Quinn popularized it in the 1990s. Okay. In terms of layout of what goes inside of GBC, uh, you, you gave us what goes inside of FBR. Is it different on GBC? Um, no, it's it's the same idea. Um, what you're looking at in GBC is you're looking at what exercises can I do and how can I do those exercises to increase HGH. So the idea is to use compound as compound exercise selections as possible unless you approach it in a, um, in a in a more like descending, like we call it like complexity idea. So it's like think about back squat, cyclist front squat, jump squat, right? Like that could be GBC um, and that's like A1, A2, A3. And you could even take it further, right? Because we haven't hit the low or the upper body yet. And then, so let's say you're resting 10 seconds between each of those those exercises. And then you rest 90 seconds and you go to A4. And then you're going to do close grip bench press. Then you're going to do incline dumbbell bench press. And then you're going to do clapping push-ups. Resting 10 seconds between those pieces. And then you rest 90 seconds. And then you go back to the top. So that's an A1 through A6 format. Um, and you're splitting up you're splitting up uh, upper and lower with that bigger rest. But it's just like, it's, it's almost just like a circuit, right? Like you're going through those things. So it's compound to less compound um, as you go um, A1 to A3 and B1 to B3. And then you do that for three, four, five sets. Um, so that's one way to implement. Another way to implement is just a classic A1, A2, right? So like, let's say we went uh, close grip bench press and Romanian deadlift. Mm -hmm. And then we just do that. And the thing that you have to keep in mind is that you want rest time to be as low as possible. Right, because what's the entire the, the goal is to create a bunch of lactate in the blood and because that lactate is produced uh, hgh goes up so the goal here isn't to get stronger right the goal here isn't to uh, choose uh, exercises and sets and reps that are going to end up after eight weeks you being stronger it's just to increase hgh in the blood and then you would go and you would do a b1 b2 in a very similar format um, wouldn't recommend it, but you could also do a C1, C2. And if you're doing that more compound format, uh, best practice is just to do one compound exercise per upper and per lower. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty exhausting <laughs> yeah. way to train. Mm -hmm. uh, would you see people like, let's say, week to week progression, reducing rest? Uh, uh, depends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's, that's one way to do it. Um, you know, you can, you can change the exercise completely because remember there's no real progression. The only progression is you want to lose some body fat. Yep. So as long as you're choosing exercises that elicit that you're, you're all good. Right. So week one could be a, a close grip bench press. Week two could be a weighted dip. Week three can be a heavy dumbbell incline bench press. Right. So, um, exercise selection, doesn't matter that much because if we're like, okay, we want to make this a very linear GBC program. Now, what are your intentions? Your intentions are now to go from volume to intensity. And that's not the idea in GBC. So, um, you could keep it static across the entire cycle and just change exercises. Or like you said, you can just decrease, um, you can decrease rest times or you can keep it static across 
in terms of like reps, sets. So intensity is uh, is is the variable, but volume is the same. And try to add load over week over week. But um, I would just say, you know, in practice, whatever elicits that response, do that. So there's no like, there's no there's no perfect progression that goes into that. Certainly. And so what you'd be looking to not happen is, for example, what you suggested around changing exercises up. We don't want to go from like a weighted pull up one week into a bicep curl the next week because people are not going to get the same dose that they would get from a compound movement with something like a bicep curl. Unless you're a really good bicep curler. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, really, no, really. Like if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're someone and you're like, okay, I'm going to throw uh, 155 pounds on a barbell and I'm going to do six to eight reps at that. I'm going to rest 10 and I'm going to do this other thing. Like that can become a very compound exercise for someone. Um, but if you're weak, yeah, don't do a bicep curl. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go back to FBR and kind of jump back and forth between the two. Can we, can we hit on, uh, GVT for a second? Oh yeah. German volume training. Yeah. Just, just to say that it's different. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, so GBC, the intention is to um, inhibit fat loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that like secondary component of building muscle, but that's not like you can, but it's, that's not really happening to any interesting degree. That's what German volume training is for, or I don't want to say that's what it's for. Like everyone should go and do it. That's why it was created, right? It's, it's like GBC burn fat, GVT, uh, induce hypertrophy. That's 10 sets. Yeah. So right? yeah, two, two ways to implement. So 10 by 10, is the the way that was that was like the the gold standard for years and years and years and then people started reporting like hey man like i can't do 10 by 10 i just can't like i can't i I can't even express it like i I finished that session and i can't do anything for two weeks and those were more advanced trainees so um poliquin implemented an advanced uh gvt protocol um uh years back that was okay let's go uh, six reps times 10 sets, same idea. Everything is the exact same. Uh, but yes, it's 10 by 10 or six by 10. Have you played around with GVT? Oh gosh. Yes, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Way too much. I think we talked about that. Yeah. I think uh, we actually have. Yeah. Like way too much. Um, it's only intended to do one time per year. Mm -hmm. I ran GVT splits for like six months straight. Yeah, just stupid. At what point in your life were you doing that? Uh, so I I mess around with it before this, but like I I like did it did it when I was in Afghanistan. Okay. Yeah, worst time to do it, right? So, uh, I went. <laughs> this is just absolutely learn from my mistakes. <laughs> I went ten by ten for like three months, and then I took like a week off, um, and then I went uh six by ten. Okay. Six reps, ten sets, uh, for like another three months, and. Holy shit. I got really big though. <laughs> How did you feel? And like, what was the cognitive dissonance I that allowed you to like I don't know. push through that? I don't know. I don't know how I felt. I mean, gosh, I was in like a cesspool of stress, right? Like you're just in that environment. So you just, I was, I was unaware. I don't know how, how it really made me feel. When I look back, I probably think that uh, I felt like shit because I did that, but it could have been, I felt like shit because I was in Afghanistan For sure. like fighting a war. I, yeah. I have no idea. It was the worst time to do it. Uh, but it was good. I think I uh, built some really good resilience there. Well, yeah. <laughs> but if you guys look back to our tactical athlete episode from a few weeks ago and uh, conversation around like self-preservation, we told you and stress not to do management, that. don't do that shit. Yeah, yeah. But that's why, yeah, that's why it's interesting for uh, you know someone to bite the bullet. Yeah. And just try these things yep. and then tell you like, yeah, don't try those things. But it was uh, originally 
develop to only happen one time per year. Understood. One time per year. Yep. Uh, and that's like six weeks. Yeah. So six weeks out of the entire year. Yeah. Okay. So learn from Carl's mistakes. Don't do GVT for three months on end. <laughs> six. Six week, Six months on end. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I went three months, uh, 10 by 10. And then into six by 10. Yeah. 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 Whew. Don't do that. No. So intentions for GVT are gaining muscle. Yep. Intentions for GBC are burning fat, yep. losing fat. Mm-hmm. Intentions for FBR? Um, efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, exposure to all patterns of movement. Yep. Um, the ability to take that, uh, what you call template, so we'll go with that, to take that template um, and be able to personalize it for everyone because everyone can do full body resistance training. When we get into like ideal versions of splits, um, yeah, what we, what we say is, you know, FBR is an awesome is an awesome tool for a novice trainee and it's an awesome tool for an advanced trainee as well um but i like it for novice over anyone else actually let's call it uh the 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 advanced that has been advanced for years and years and years so we have the advanced trainee and then we have like the let's call it james right yep. james is he's he's knocking on 50s door right and so he's been doing fitness for a really long time uh full body resistance is an awesome split for him but you look at like Matt Fraser, right? In his prime, full body resistance is not a great idea for him. Um, so yeah, we like it for uh, novice just because of the exposure. You get you get a lot of exposure to different movements. Um, those people tend to recover a lot more effectively than than uh, someone that's a little bit more advanced and can dig a little bit deeper. Uh, so that's yeah, a great split for uh, the novice training. Dig into the efficiency piece a little bit more because you said efficiency. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, just the ability to hit, I, I, I guess I said the same thing and just uh, described them in different ways. The ability to hit multiple patterns in a single session yeah, um, or the most amount of patterns in a single session. Um, and there's the idea that, you know, when you start to trash motor units, um, if you're, if you're trashing upper motor units and then, you know, you're trashing some lower motor units and you're doing four exercises, um, it's, it's really good practice to split that up. Um, so once you get to that fourth exercise, you have some oomph in you, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's really efficient because uh, you get to hit multiple patterns. And it's efficient because if someone wants to train two or three times a week, they can get some pretty good training volume relative to those patterns if they do FBR. Yeah, and we think about our, not our, you know, Carl in Afghanistan or our college kid with access to a rate room and, you know, plenty of time to go and train. But the average person that walks into an OPEX gym uh, or reaches out, you know, they don't want to train five or six days a week. Mm -hmm. They probably want to come into the gym two to three times around their busy lives and doing a body part split where you're just doing upper body one day and then just doing lower body the other day. And then you have seven days until you get back to working on, you know, your push-ups and your dips. Yeah. Uh, that's, that can be really challenging and mm-hmm. not enough frequency for people to develop that. Yeah. And if our goal is to, you know, increase or develop, you know, motor control and we want to really focus on motor learning, uh, like you said, it's just not enough exposure for a lot of people. We want to expose them to those patterns very frequently. If the goal is for developing motor control, motor learning, efficiency, and patterns, blah, 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 then is it can, can clients also have the benefit of fat loss or gaining muscle from FBR-style training? Yeah, I mean, you know the answer to that. <laughs> Leading <laughs> yeah, question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, like all the things that are happening in like a very targeted GBC uh, program, those are happening. Those are happening regardless of what the split is. You know, as long as someone has some really good tension and resistance, um, you can come in and do you know five sets of six on the bench press and um, still get some of those 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 really good uh, HGH uh, boosts and, and and all of that stuff. So yeah, of course. Sorry, that wasn't like a very specific answer, no. but yeah, yeah, you can. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, no, it's it's really helpful, but I do think it's also beneficial for coaches to like sit back and think, what is the primary intention of this program? Mm-hmm. And then what are the secondary intentions that we're looking for based on, you know, what the client is telling me? Because we have in our back of our head that we want to develop, you know, efficiency and patterns and motor control but then you have a client coming to you and telling you that their goal is to lose 20 pounds Mm -hmm. and you don't want to just like brush that off and say well actually the goal is motor control yeah yeah. right okay well let me let me answer that question better um yes you can do it and you have to realize that you have to give a program to someone uh that works for them right there at that moment you know that person comes in and they're like you know, yeah, I want to lose 20 pounds. And you're like, you know, behind your desk in your smart coach's office. And you're like, okay, we need to develop motor control. We need to do this. We need to do that. You need to be okay with you giving them a really solid full body resistance training or whatever the heck you decide to give them to develop that motor control. A secondary response to, to that training will be them, you know, losing some body fat, increasing metabolic rate, all of that relative to what they did prior to them coming to you. So if a coach says, okay, um, or if a client says, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds and a coach is like, okay, uh, let's go with a GBC split day one. It's like, you're going a little bit too advanced, a little bit too deep. Like you don't need to do that. Like you don't need to, you know, trash motor units and have 10 seconds rest between each exercise. Maybe you'll need to do that with them, or maybe that'll be appropriate in five or six years, but you don't, you, you don't need to do that today for someone to lose those uh those 20 pounds that they want to they want to knock off and we have to look at like gvt and and gbc and we have to look at uh i know i joked around about the resilience thing um doing those programs does it actually increase resilience long term i would say no right like you're you're trashing yourself you're beating yourself up to lose body fat or to gain muscle you will probably lose body fat or gain muscle faster but you're not increasing resilience, right? Like you're not increasing your hormonal profile, uh, you know, five years from now. Um, You're not doing the things that are going to make that stuff sustainable. We joked around about, you know, oh, GVT should be done once a year. GBC, like that style of program, that's not sustainable. Like people aren't going to wake up and be like ramping and ready to go in week six of eight of a GBC program and they know what they're about to experience in the gym. That stuff isn't sustainable either. So, um, you know, these specific protocols might be okay for someone in a very specific uh, circumstance, but they're not, it's, it's not like our go-tos. We're like, okay, boom, GBC, GVT. If you're working with like bodybuilders and physique athletes and they're like, okay, I've like, this is what my year looks like and I need to peak and I have to do this and then I have to do that. It's like, yeah, these could be some really good things to use a couple of times a year. Uh, but not with general population people. Yeah, and it's then too intense. for that person that's walking in and wants to lose 20 pounds as well, like obviously they're going to get some great benefits from doing their FBR program, but that's not where the conversation ends. Mm-hmm. We're having conversations around other daily movement outside of the gym. We're having conversations around habits and nutrition and sleep and stress management. And gosh, we know that those things have 
more influence on body composition and someone's weight loss in the long term than training really hard, which can actually be detrimental, like you said, five years from now. Yeah. I I think about some of the guys and some of the girls that I trained with uh, 15 years ago. Um, Let's call it, yeah, let's call it 15 years ago. And I look at where they are and what they look like now. Um, And and we just, we did some really stupid things in in exercising and training. Um, And I feel like I effectively came out of that and like beating myself up in the gym and all that. I do it every once in a while um, just for fun, but I don't do it on a day-to-day basis. But I look at the people that I trained with 15 years ago and it's like, what are your fitness levels now? Like how healthy and vital are you now? And some of those people just look like absolute shit. Like you feel bad, like you see them. I was actually uh, looking at uh, one of my buddies, uh, old buddies. I haven't talked to him in probably 10 years. I was looking at his like Facebook the other day and I was like, like, you know how you like zoom in and you're like, you're, you're trying to like zoom in on just the face. You're like, is that him? Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's my age and he looks like he's 60. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start to see that and, you know, I have no idea what they did in exercise and all that. I know what they did do when we used to train together and I know they, they still train. Right. And like, you know, those are, those are some of the people that are, you know, smelling salts and, and like hitting the, the heavy back squats and stuff like that. And they're still doing that at like, you know, 35, 40 years old. Um, and it's aging them. It's aging them really, really quickly. So, uh, we have to understand that not everyone should get a very advanced training protocol right? Because of, you know, what it does to us in the long term. Um, so you mentioned on the onset, but the intention on doing these programs are, are so important. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go a little bit into personalization and how that connects to FBR, because we talked about FBR as this like template, right? You've got your squat, bend, push, pull, lunge, and core. You're going to do some variation of upper and lower patterns for that novice client walking into the gym or that more advanced client, uh, mm-hmm. where, wherever they are, that, that James who's, uh, who's coming to you. So how do we go from, we have this, you know, pattern-based approach that's laid out three days a week to actually making that personalized to the client that is saying, I want this program, who you're doing an assessment with. How, how do we go from template to personalized? Oof, gosh, that's a deep one. Um, yeah, I would look at, I would look at, why, why are you giving them that program? Why are they exercising? That would be the first question. Um, because just to, you know, give two polar opposite examples, if someone's exercising to have a better back squat versus someone's exercising to look good and feel good, uh, exercise selection is going to be vastly different, right? Like we're focusing on the back squat here. Like that's our, that's our bread and butter for this person. We may never back squat. We, we will do the squat pattern, but maybe we never need a back squat with this person. Um, so you think about what their, what their goals are and the intention of that program design. And then of course you have to look at what they're capable of. Um, so we have some people that aren't even capable of performing a pattern of movement. Um, I think the most common one is actually the squat. Um, so there's, there's like variability that needs to happen in the squat to meet them where they are in that movement and give them things, uh, that can progress them to eventually being able to perform that movement effectively or that pattern effectively unloaded. Um, so yeah, I mean, those would be the, the two biggest pieces. It's like, why are you giving them that program? Um, so what are their goals and what are they capable of doing? And then what is fitness going to look like for them, you know, a year, two years, 10 years from now? 
And with that client, we have the ability to play with things like ordering, for example. So when they walk into the gym or on a Monday, right after they've had a restful Sunday with their family, what's the priority? Like they failed their squat pattern. We probably want to sit that right up the front when they're fresh and excited and well rested and have that be the first thing that they they attack in their session. Whereas if you have a client who is working on their lunge or their push pattern, maybe you end up putting that at the beginning of the session on that priority day for the client. So you get to begin to have fun and play with that. And again, that's so connected to the goal of improving efficiency in the movement pattern and not the goal or intention of burning fat or gaining muscle. Mm -hmm. And so when you're sitting down to write a GBC program, you're not necessarily thinking about those things you're thinking about how do i get that like you know metabolic dose so that they burn fat Mm -hmm. not how am i ordering the workout to make sure that i'm prioritizing the patterns that my client needs to improve on yeah yeah that's a good point and and uh another piece that i think is really important is you know what do our clients want to do in the gym like what do they find uh engaging and and fun quite frankly right so um, I would never go against like the capabilities and the goals and all that stuff, like intentions and capabilities, but you have to consider what's engaging for them in terms of uh, what you're putting in the program. So that's something that I've always thought about. And that's something that I've gone back and forth on. And like, you know, is it like steadfast? I always know best. Or is it like meet the person where they are? Do I go away? Do I give them things that they're not capable of to like, uh, make them happy for an amount of time, right? Like that's something that I used to kind of uh, bounce back and forth with. And what I landed on is just like, you know, always look at what the intention of the design is, always look at what their capabilities are, and also think about what they enjoy um, and, you know, what what they're really engaged with in terms of what they're doing in their program. And you have to remind them on the capabilities and the goal thing very often as well. Um, if you have a client that's like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Um, you just have to continue to like check yourself and check them in, in terms of uh, those two big pieces. What about for the client? Let's say they are a novice. Maybe they're like four months into this training thing with you, Carl, and you've given them a uh, FBR split and or FBR daily plan. And every month you're changing up exercise selection and it's a pretty linear like thing that you've been working on with them. And they get four months in and they're like, Carl, I'm bored. I'm really bored of, of what I'm doing. I hate this full body resistance thing. I want to, you know, have variation and I want to do random stuff every day. And I want to walk into the gym and not know what I'm going to expect. And it needs to be exciting. What, what do you say? Um, gosh, if they said it to me exactly like that, I'd probably tell them I don't want to work with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but if we kind of had a conversation and, you know, we, we landed there where it's like, Hey, I want some variety. Um, I think this is where you're going with it, but I would, I would just focus on what the the pattern the pattern is for that day, and I would uh, design a training program that focuses specifically on that pattern. Um, but that doesn't mean that every day, every week, it's just going to be something brand new. Uh, a tactic that that I really like to use is I keep like the compound or like the main exercise or whatever that is. I keep that very linear. You know, I may keep it linear for three weeks, for six weeks, for eight weeks, whatever it is. And then I just change accessory workouts, right, or exercises. I change, like, the auxiliary stuff where it's like, okay, uh, we're squatting and we're pushing. Those are, like, the the main pieces. Those are the priorities of the day. It's like, okay, let's go linear because those are priorities, right? Like, you can't you can't, you, you can't understand if they're getting better at those things if you don't do the thing consistently and you're not able to measure it. 
it's like, okay, we're going to do those things. And then let's say we have different patterns other underneath. It's like, okay, we're just going to pick some um, accessory workouts or exercises that they're capable of. And we're going to shift those up every week. Um, so yeah, just, just an example of how you can kind of shift those and, and uh, meet that uh, needy client uh, without absolutely killing your flow as a coach and taking, you know, uh, an extra 20 minutes per week per person. That would just be an absolute nightmare. So it has to be scalable for the coach. Yeah, I know James was talking about that on immersion with uh, someone who'd asked a question around mm -hmm. the client who wants a bunch of variety and to work on a bunch of different skills. And uh, it is really time consuming if you're trying to change up every little piece yeah, every yeah, yeah. single week. Uh, and I think he made the point like, fine, if they want that, but are they paying for it? Are they paying more than the other client? And mm -hmm. It, you do have to be realistic uh, with what you're capable of doing with the resources that you have as a coach uh, and those resources include your time. I would just say, I would say, like I would, if someone came to me and they said that, I would say, why the hell are you paying me $400 a month? Yeah. Like if you just want a random program, like those, those things are everywhere online. Like if you don't want this thing to be personalized to you, like maybe you're not a good fit for this. Like you're wasting your money. Um, yeah, I just go there. It's like, because as a coach, you think about how that feels when you're just giving someone random stuff. It's like, you have no flow. That's not engaging at all. That's not fun. You're literally just like a monkey typing exercises in A, B, C, D and hitting go. Like you're, you're not, you're, there's, there's no, uh, there's no thinking that goes along with that. So God, I would hate to coach someone like that. Agreed. Uh, it, I think about the article we chatted about last week, Carl, around the, what was it called? The um, software that's going to allow. Oh, um, I forget. I've forgotten what it's called too. Uh, it starts with a D. I but forgot. Essentially, it lets clients. The AI. The AI. The AI piece that mm -hmm. allows clients to jump around from different trainers and mm -hmm. try, try on a bunch of different workout programs yeah. and just as more people experience things like that, uh, which they're already experiencing, but how is that going to further ingrain those bad behaviors around exercise well, you, have to, you have to think about it. it's like what do we believe we believe that you can't do those things over a long period of time and see success so if that's what we truly believe which it is um yeah people will do that and then where will they end up they'll end up looking for the right answer right like they'll look up they'll end up looking for something that works for them for the next five years um so yeah i think you know i think that's i think a lot of people will go to that but i don't think a lot of people will stay inside of a system like that for five years they can't because they won't they'll 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 get unengaged they'll stop seeing progress like there's no we won't get into it because we got into it last week but yeah there's there's like none of this you know yeah. what i mean um you're just doing random shit every day and just hoping that you see success and whatever success means to you i really my hope for the world is that the people that have had great success in fitness right the people that are just crushing their fitness goals and feeling great and have a platform that they're sharing that about actually are honest about the shit that they do and what it took to get them there and stop selling their, you know, $15 programs with a bunch of random shit inside of them, which yeah. make yeah, people yeah. confused and feel like they need to do random shit to get to where that person got to. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, gosh, I was listening to, I don't know if you've heard of Patrick, but David, no. um, he has, uh, his podcast is called Valuetainment, um, and he has like a YouTube channel. He's super interesting, dude. I listen to him a lot, and uh, he had mentioned something um, on one in one of his conversations that an old mentor of his, uh, because he was like, 
his story is like 1.8 GPA in high school, didn't go to college, like wasn't a very intelligent dude. And then like he hit like 22 or 23 and just like really got into academics, like didn't go to college or anything like that, just like took it up as a hobby, started reading a lot, started learning a lot, uh, had a mentor. The mentor told him like, hey, man, you can continue down this road, uh, but the more you know, the more you wish you didn't know. Um, and the, the story there was the more you learn, the less fulfilled you are in life because you know too much. You know too much. You question too much. Um, there has to be an answer to everything. And I say that because some of those fitness trainers, they may just not know. You know what I mean? It's like they may have started to do this thing when they were 18. They saw awesome success. They're like this influencer. They're on the cover of Men's and Women's Health. And they just continued it. And now they're 35 and they're, they're just rolling. They're riding, right? And they just don't know. So like when you say that, you're like, okay, I hope they tell the truth. They might be telling like their truth or mm-hmm. what, they, what they think to be true, right? But that's, uh, that, that really hit home to me when I heard that story because I'm like, that's true, actually. It's the Dunning-Kruger the, effect, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're, you know, people that know generally, I don't want to like say everyone's like this, but people that know a lot and that are just like very, very intelligent humans, they're not the happiest people in the world. They're always looking for the answer. They're always looking for the next thing. They're like always looking for the why and all of that. And um, yeah, just just a thought that was an interesting point yeah. on like not knowing and telling the truth and all that. Yeah, I mean, you always you start to become aware of how much you don't know and how much you never will know as well, mm-hmm. right? When when you do start to like peel back the layers and and learn a little bit more and investigate, because mm-hmm. none of us are capable of knowing everything. No, no. Uh, and you know, fitness is not just this like tiny little. It's not just FBR. It's not just reps and sets. Mm-hmm. There's so much that connects to it that you feel like you need to know to be a worthy coach. Um, but you're never going to know it all. Yeah, that's why I was just, I'm, I'm the type of person where I'm like, I want to learn what's going to benefit me right now. You know, there's always mm-hmm. something to learn that's going to benefit you right now. But um, Emma asked me a question yesterday. She's like, what are you into? And I, we had a conversation on like, you know, what, what I find really intriguing right now. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I roll with it. It's just like, yeah, I want to learn things that, you know, are really relevant to me right now. Because if it was like, if I like, put everything I want to know before I die on a board and I'm like, okay, go. Gosh, I would be, I'd be miserable, right? Because I'm the type of person that gets addicted to stuff like that, like addicted to knowledge and and all of that. So I have to kind of check myself on, you know, how many books I read and all of that. I'm just like, okay, relax. It's like, you're not going to be, you're not going to be, you know, a better person if you read two more books this year yeah there's no worse learning environment than sitting down and trying to like read and comprehend something because you feel like you might need to know it someday <laughs> for some external reason yeah, yeah. that's not directly connected to who you are right yeah. now yeah, yeah. Uh, you just gotta be really comfortable it's like hey i'm fucking stupid when it comes to some things and you gotta be able to admit that i think that's a skill can we talk about let's just go back to fbr for a minute oh, okay yeah that makes sense that thing uh <laughs> who is it not for who who would fbr be a terrible idea for i don't think it'd be a terrible idea for anyone like um, a less than optimal idea okay um yeah i think it I, well gosh i just i don't think it'd be a less than optimal idea for anyone and the only reason i say that is because um you can be any person um 
and based on the, the the actual work it's like what are you doing like what is your upper lower upper lower based on what that is um you would just like titrate it up or down based yeah. on who the person is um a person that it wouldn't be good for when considering what the dose is is someone that is extremely advanced right like extremely advanced and i paused before i said that because when I say advanced, there's like advanced trainees in so many different uh, disciplines. So it's like if you're an extremely advanced bodybuilder, it's like FBR may not be the right choice for you because you you have to be so targeted in what you're hitting every single day, every opportunity that you have to go into the gym. Like you don't want to just do like a general like I'm going to go head to toe pump because you're not going to give that musculature enough attention. Sure. Um, if you're an extremely advanced um uh, power lifter, same idea, right? It's like every day is an opportunity to get better at one of three things, the bench, the squat, or the deadlift, right? If you're benching, squatting, and deadlifting every day or a variation of that or using that same musculature every day or every time you train, probably not optimal. Um, if you're an advanced CrossFitter, right, FBR may not be ideal for you because what do you need to get really good at? You need to get really good at mixed modal, mm -hmm. right? And mixed modal work. So, you know, you're doing like FBR and then like FBR in the morning and then mixed modal in, in the evening. It's like... It's just a lot of contractions. There's a, yeah, there's a lot, right? Like there's a lot and there's a lot that goes inside of mixed modal and uh, in terms of like what patterns you're using and, and, and all of that. So probably not a great, great idea to hit it at FBR. It's like highest dosages. Uh, while still trying to get better at those things. Um, now we look at like off-season, in-season, all of that. There's so many considerations, but um, generally someone that has very, very specific goals, uh, maybe don't give them such a global program. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. <sighs> yeah, I'll, I'll accept that. But if you're, you know. <laughs> she accepted. Let's let's We're say good. you're Carl Hardwick and you're walking into the gym and you plan on walking into the gym pretty much every day, yeah. except the days you like go outside and do some exercise outside. Mm -hmm. Like you plan on doing that for the rest of your life and you don't have specific goals about like growing your anterior delt in a certain way. You or, don't know me. You I, don't know I, me. Hey, I'm not going to put that on you, but. <laughs> you okay, feeling okay sorry, about I your delt? I almost passed out. I was flexing my delt so hard. <laughs> But let's say, you know, you don't have any specific goals mm -hmm. in connected to resistance other than you want to work on all patterns of movement. You could technically walk into the gym seven days a week, do an FBR split of varying volumes and intensities and be fine and oh, recover sure. from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we talked about last week, uh, periodization. Was that yeah, last week? That yeah, was last so week. last week we talked about periodization. Um, you look at any of those models and like you said, like if you titrate up or down that volume and intensity, you know, you could do a very linear, uh, seven day a week, uh, FBR piece, and you could do that effectively and, and you can progress that over a really long period of time. Um, you can hit like a, a nonlinear format and do like, okay, this is my, uh, my, my power day. This is my, uh, max strength day. This is my dynamic day. And you can train, you know, an FBR style in that format as well and progress it for a long period of time. Um, it just depends on what's inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, it just depends on what's inside of it. Um, what what kind of, what split are you doing right now? Upper or lower for me. Mm. Yeah, I'm rethinking that though because uh, I'm on the mat like a lot and I want to get on the mat even more. I've got like the itch to mm -hmm. just be there every single day. And so... 
four days of resistance training, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a lot of time in yeah. the gym. It's a lot of days to get into the gym. And then if I want to do any mat work as well, um, which I do enjoy also. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the problem of like too many, too many things to want to play with. Uh, but I do find when I start going FBR, my sessions get a little bit longer and I love if I can keep stuff like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. No, just just interest, interested. What about you? Um, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing upper lower as well. Um, yeah, some upper lower um, clusters. Um, yeah, I, I I prefer upper lower for me. Yeah. Um, How come? Uh, FBR is I get a little, I get a little. Trying to think of the best word, I always want to say stale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get a little bit stale right mm-hmm. when I get to like because I like to be in the gym for like seventy five minutes. Yeah. Um, that's like my mm-hmm. sweet spot that I try to say like, I'm not. Maybe I will be, but I'm not a sixty minute in, sixty minute or sixty minute in and out. Um, and I'm not like a 90 or, or uh, 120 minutes either. Um, so with that in mind, just extending that out to like, usually I'll do, you know, just like some strength speed practice because I really enjoy that stuff. And then um, I'll do like an A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2. Um, and by the time you get to like C1, C2 and you're doing FBR, like you're just, it's not that effective for me. Um, so I like I like uh, upper lower. I'll still do FBR, um, but I'll do like my sweet, my sweet spot in a split is um, upper lower Mondays, focusing on upper Tuesdays, lower Wednesdays, like outside stuff. Um, Thursdays going back to lower, uh, Fridays going upper, and then Saturdays doing upper and lower. Yeah. Um, so I'll do like uh, uh, like a, a mat piece and then FBR after the mat piece actually because the the intention is aerobics. Um, so that's like my ideal split right now. Yeah. Sounds nice. Yeah. It's fun. Sounds good. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Let us know what your split is. Uh, is it FBR? Is it upper lower? Is it specific? Uh, leave us a comment. Or is it Roth? What is Roth? Just random. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that or works. Or Raph. Raph. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, like always, please make sure you do subscribe and leave us a review. We do appreciate you. Thank you.